you all are familiar with the Highland Festival that they have up in Estes Park. Years and years ago, we went up there and they had demonstration jousting. One side was this massive horse, black, I think it was probably a Percheron, big, big horse. And on top of this big, big horse was a proportionately big dude. I mean, this guy looked like something out of a Hollywood biker gang. And on the other side, a normal-sized horse, normal-sized guy. Of course, you know, it's all play-acting. Nobody's going to get hurt. So they do whatever they do, and they drop the flag. And it isn't often you see a horse sit down. This little horse looked like a German shepherd sitting down. <laughs> Was not going to play the game. I've never seen a horse do that before in my life. Uh, those of you who are around horses a lot may have, but it was amazing. This horse was totally intimidated, and this horse was not going to play. So what I want to talk to you about is fear. And the thing that uh, sort of lit me off on this is there was an article on uh, World Net Daily it was listing a bunch of stuff that's going on right now. I'll just read the list for you. COVID, climate change, racism, police and BLM, cancel culture, tech censorship, transgenderism, white supremacy. All of those things are swirling around. And all of those things are designed to incite fear in a group. So what you had is COVID, which was everybody should be afraid, and climate change. You all know Greta Thunberg, is that her name? I call her the Swedish doom pixie. I don't know whether she's legitimately terrified or has just gotten herself an audience, but her, how dare you? It's just designed to stoke fear. Racism. That's everybody needs to be afraid of everybody who doesn't look like them. Police. BLM. Minorities have to be really afraid because the police are out there hunting. And what they're doing is they're looking for somebody to shoot. I mean, isn't that the mantra? Cancel culture. Oh, if you say anything wrong, you're going to get fired from your job. Tech censorship. You're not allowed to speak because you can't, if you speak your mind, they're going to turn off your internet. Transgenderism. You don't ever know what somebody is until they get in your face and say, oh, how dare you assume that that's what I am just because I look that way. And then white supremacy. That's sort of the umbrella thing that everybody who's a minority needs to be afraid of white people. This is all generating fear. And it's generating uncertainty. Now, there are legitimate uses for fear. One, the Bible gives you one legitimate use for fear. Only one. And I'll read it to you. Proverbs 22.3. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. That's the only mention of danger in this way in the Bible. The Bible doesn't spend a lot of time talking about that. What does the Bible say instead? Fear not. Fear not. 
So I would guess that the difference in ink has to do with the fact that we're really good at being afraid. We don't need to be taught that. What we need to be taught is how not to be afraid. So that's your legitimate use of fear. That's it. It's the only one. When you see a legitimate danger, you get out of the way. That's what the capacity was given to you for. It's sort of like love and sex. It was given to you by God for a legitimate purpose, but what Satan does is corrupts it into something that it was never intended to be. Same thing with fear. So let's look at the uses of fear. First off, it's used to control the sheep. Anybody ever herded sheep? What you do is you get a wolf, dog, and they don't have to be big dogs, they just have to be dogs. And the sheep look at them like, there's, a, there's, this, there's this wolf that i got to be afraid of. And so this little dog can run this whole pack of sheep all over the place. Uses fear. But he does. Read to you from Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he, Christ, himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has power over the death, that is, the devil, and to deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So fear is used by the devil to enslave you. And people are really quick. They discovered that, ooh, we can enslave you with fear the same way. Doesn't necessarily have to be fear of death, although that ultimately is what results. But if we can keep you afraid, we can enslave you. The other use of fear is it is the negative analog of faith. Those of you who have been around for a while have heard this. Fear and faith are twins. They're opposite sides of the same coin. What faith is designed to do is bring things out of the spiritual and make them physical. That's the purpose of the mechanism. Fear works the same way, only on the negative side. So when you're afraid of stuff, the stuff that you're afraid of tends to happen because you are using your faith mechanism to bring it into the world. So if you can get somebody to get you afraid, you will in fact construct your own prison. Now, and you have to go back a ways, and I'm not going to do it here. I've been reading several books about this over the last several months. But all of the stuff that is coming to a head right now in our civilization, the list that I just read, has its roots back in the 1500s. And it's taken 400 years to do it, but it's all explicitly anti-Christian. The so-called age of reason, the whole purpose of that age was to get rid of superstitious Christianity and elevate man's reason. You've got Rousseau, Freud, Marx, Darwin. And what all of this does is gives a scientific veneer to anti-Christianism. You guys can go do that stupid superstitious stuff if you want, but we smart people don't really believe in all that. Now, the thing about it, though, is the only way that works is because they had a base of civilization built by Christianity. 
So what they're doing is sort of running on inertia and trying to keep the civilization going without the Christianity. And I, I will tell you, quite frankly, it's not going to work. Not for a long period of time. It works for 20 minutes, like about 400 years. But after that, it starts to collapse. And what we're seeing is the collapse. The other thing that we're seeing is a systematic destruction of Christianity and our civilization. Now, civilization requires rules. Nobody likes rules, but civilization requires them. You've got to be able to look at your fellow citizens and be able to be reasonably confident that unless they're obscenely pathological, they will behave in more or less predictable ways. I said that very carefully. There's lots of room for individual freedom, lots of room for individual differences. But if you walk up to some six-foot dude with a five o'clock shadow and he says, you got to call me Susie, that really disrupts everything. And furthermore, if Susie wants to use the same bathroom as your little girl grandchild, that makes you very uncomfortable, as it should. So what's happening is all of the agreed-upon rules of civilization are systematically being attacked. And the mantra for that, as you listen to the news and so forth, is they will say, this has failed. And then the favorite phrase is, we need to reimagine this. Have you heard, we need to reimagine policing? What that says is, what has been working for hundreds of years, we've got to wipe that out and we've got to start over because we're smarter. Well, no, we're not smarter. But that's what's going on. And when all of these foundational things of your civilization are under attack, your response is fear. There are people in this congregation that are looking around and wondering how deep a bunker can we dig? That, by the way, is not an unreasonable reaction. I want to build myself a shelter so I can get inside this shelter and I can close the door and I can pull the door in after me so they can't get me. The other thing that's going on right now is society needs rules. And if all of the rules that we have lived with are under assault, what you wind up with are what I would call ad hoc rules. Somebody makes up a rule on the spot and then excoriates you for breaking a rule that they just made up. That's what cancel culture is all about. We just made up this new rule and, oh, by the way, 20 years ago you violated that new rule, therefore you're canceled. And what I'm saying is that's a foundational shaking that's going on. As my lawyer over here looks at me, he knows that ex post facto rules are not legal. But that's where we're living. Now, one of the things that you're hearing is lots of junk. Build back better. What that means is the civilization that we have, which we have done our best to mess up, isn't working anymore because everybody is afraid now 
and you don't feel comfortable and you don't feel like there's any solid ground underneath you. So what we need to do is we need to build back better. We need to build a better civilization than what we just destroyed. That's what that means. And oh, by the way, it's going to cost lots of money. And oh, by the way, we're going to be in charge. And oh, by the way, we want you to build your own cage. That's what's being said to you. The other thing that's kind of fascinating is there are lots of people in the church that are part of this. And the Bible being what it is has predicted this. Revelation chapter 2. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. Revelation 2.20 But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Notice that both of those are in the church. These are not coming from outside the church, they're inside the church. And what do you see as the common denominator, those of you who were listening to me? Sexual immorality. There's not anything new in human nature since the garden. Our nature hasn't changed. So idol worship has always been accompanied by illicit free sex. So has the age of reason. It's specifically anti-Christian, but the hook is sexual. You had natural man should be free to do whatever he wants. And you finally come to Freud in the early 20th century, and what Freud said is man is inherently sexual. And what he did is he gave a scientific veneer to sexuality. Has anybody heard believe science? We believe science? Well, science says that you should be able to do whatever you want with anybody you want. That's what Freud said. Scientific. Now it's bunk, but it's also scientific. So the whole idea here is to get you to do what you want to do without restraint and rules and it's scientific. And furthermore, what's really interesting, those of us who say sodomy is wrong, what's the word that is used against us? Homophobic. What is a phobia? It's an irrational fear. A phobia is a mental illness. The point is, if you are homophobic or Islamophobic, or transphobic, what you are is mentally ill. That's why those words are used that way, because science. In other words, science says whatever, so if you don't agree, you're mentally ill, and science, medicine, has diagnosed you as such. It's all very subtle, but it's all very much there. It's not obvious, 
because what happens is these phrases get generated by the culture and people just say them without thinking about it. So if you say, I'm not homophobic, what you're saying is I'm not mentally ill. So what I'm suggesting that you do is say, what's wrong with you, fool? Are you saying I'm crazy? Islamophobic. What's wrong with you, fool? Any reasonable person is Islamophobic. In other words, there's verbal jujitsu going on here to turn you against yourself. And the point I'm making here is the Bible speaks over and over and over again about fear not. And what our society is doing right now is generating fear to bring us back into slavery. And you need to understand what's going on. You understand that that's why the Bible says to fear not, because the Bible knows that Satan and ruthless people are very good at manipulating you through fear and making you go back into slavery and build your own chains. The last thing I'll mention, remember I started off and said that there is a legitimate use for fear. when there is in fact real danger. And if something is really dangerous, it is reasonable, rational, and healthy to be afraid of it. If you walk into the room and there's a pile of snakes over there, it is rational for you to be afraid and to get out of the room. When the Bible says fear not, it's not talking about that. That's not the context we're talking about there. That's what Proverbs says, is that a fool goes into actual danger and is harmed. So, what I'm telling you that you need to be able to do is learn to discern what is a real danger and what is something that is generated to get your stomach in knots. Okay? And again, don't get me wrong, what they're trying to do is evil and if they succeed there will be good reason to be afraid but in the meantime understand that the fear that you're being fed is designed to keep you running like a flock of sheep that's what it's designed to do don't do that so I'll close with a little poll for you Romans 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Yeshua is the one who died. More than that, who was raised who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ, shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long, we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And they do regard us as sheep to be slaughtered. 
That's why I led with that's how you control a flock of sheep, with fear. Verse 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Yeshua Messiah, our Lord. What you have to do is you have to be confident. You have to speak, you have to be confident. You have to understand, as it says elsewhere in Scripture, don't fear those who can kill the body. Fear those who can kill the soul. So what this time calls for in an age of fear is courage. And you need to look at your situation and you need to be courageous and you need to keep doing what you're supposed to be doing regardless of what the culture says that you should be doing because the culture right now is sick and corrupt. 